Kia ora, I'm Damien Venuto. It's September 29th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Major business leaders have had their say on what they think of the current government and those vying to take over. The Herald's mood of the boardroom is back for its 21st year, and this time the survey has recorded the pulse of the executive suite on the eve of Aotearoa's general election. There are strong suggestions that business leaders want change, and that's bad news for Labour and their leader, Chris Hipkins. But why are business leaders so eager for something different? What are they most concerned about? And is former CEO Christopher Luxon faring any better than Hipkins on his home turf? Today, on the front page, Mood of the Boardroom executive editor Fran O'Sullivan gives us a rundown of her survey results and shares what she's learned from delving into our top business minds. Fran, the Mood of the Boardroom is always very popular during an election year. Can you remind us of who was surveyed for this initiative this year? Yeah, so this year we went out to CEOs. It's predominantly a CEO survey, but I also go out to a range of company directors. Some of that is really to pick up female opinion because we don't have enough major CEOs who are women in New Zealand yet. And I've also gone out to probably five or six business organisation heads as well. So what's the mood across our boardrooms right now? Are people feeling upbeat or are they concerned about where the country is headed? Oh, I think, you know, like everybody, there is concern about where the country is headed. There's also optimism in the sense that we as a nation do have a certain amount of positives for our future. But what we're seeing this year in a domestic sense is a big overweighting of major economic concerns. For instance, uh, government spending, inflation, crime and law and order. That's actually eased out the usual traditional concerns around skills and labour shortages and so forth. So it's those big economic concerns to the fore. And when we're looking externally, thinking about China economic slowdown is a major one, but also issues like cyber attacks that's become much more prevalent throughout business and geopolitics. So some of those big election issues are defining the mood of the boardroom too. Yes, and you see it come through in the sense that both when you're looking at labour and when you're looking at national, there is a sense from CEOs that they want to see some economic rigour, they want to see some prudence in financial management, but at the same time, they want to see more of what are the economic policies and vision that the respective parties will lead, assuming they become the government. And we probably haven't seen enough of that on this campaign. It's been a bit buried in minutiae. There are some concerns about National's tax cut package from the point of view of not necessarily showing sufficient detail. To pay for its tax cuts, National has to sell almost $20 billion of property to foreign buyers. The party claims it has modelling of sales projections which support that figure. Will you commit to releasing that modelling? Uh, we've already released the information we're going to release, you, Jack. Uh, so no. Yeah, that's In other words, so no. We've released what we're going to release. That said, some belief that Christopher Luxon, assuming he is Prime Minister, will do what any CEO will do and he'll re-forecast, he'll re-budget and he'll make his numbers. But on the other side of the fence with Labour, and I think this is a great shame for Grant Robertson in particular, who has led the New Zealand economy in a pretty sound way through a range of issues, particularly COVID, which slammed business. And what we're seeing there, though, is the hesitance to do the spending cuts until the prefu was basically upon the government. And concern that because so many policies haven't been delivered on, if they come back again, would they deliver on the next round? 
One thing that I always find interesting in the mood of the boardroom is that it lists those key concerns that businesses have. So when you look at that list today, what's at the top of the list and what are the top three, basically? Well, if you're talking domestically, the top three issues are government spending and the level and quality of that. And I think during the campaign, what's got lost sight of, and I think this is particularly due to the way National is playing it, and it's pretty hardball, but that's expenditure for COVID, which did result in considerable debt, has been kind of pushed to one side when they look at the major big numbers and don't disaggregate. And a bit there also when you're looking at the spending that will have to occur because of cyclone damage and also the flooding. So that's their inflation and infrastructure constraints, which have been around for some time. And then it's crime, law and order, interest rates, all the things which affect business at the bottom line. And internationally, when we're looking at what's happening out there, it's um, the Chinese economic slowdown. This is affecting clearly the agribusiness side of things. And we've gone out and spoken to a number of agribusiness heads in the report just to get a bit of a sense of that. But it also flows through to the economy because, you know, when China sneezes, the world catches cold. And we're seeing that. And we're seeing that in the international growth factors. Also their geopolitical volatility, cyber attacks, issues around major weather events. All these things are having a big effect, not just on government accounts, but also on businesses that have been hammered by some of these issues. Labour and National have been trading blows for some time in the media now. So how do company bosses feel about these two parties? What do the sentiment figures show? When you're looking at national, you know, I think the mood has really there for wanting to change a government, a refreshed government, and that's been there for some time. And I think it was sitting there well before we had the campaign. And we don't actually ask specifically that. We actually ask how do they rate the respective trays of the particular people punting to be prime minister. And obviously, we just look at the two main parties there because it seems a bit absurd to think anybody else would do. And on that, what we're seeing is Chris Luxon absolutely outpointing Chris Hipkins. He comes in at 3.49 out of 5 on his rating. And also Chris Hipkins at 2.95 out of 5. But when we look through the factors that we actually rate them on, like economic management, integrity, political management, courage, leadership, could they have the ability to form a working coalition, vision and strategy, political management, Luxon is ahead on all of those except for one particular factor, which is political management. And this is something which was commented on by a number of CEOs in that maybe he's just too political. He's absolutely a political man, a political kind of organism, whereas the other guy is not. A question about Winston Peters. Is he good or bad for this country, Chris Hipkins? Bad. That's a decision for the voters of New Zealand. Yes or no? Is he good or bad? I don't know him. Is he good or bad? I I don't know him and I don't want to deal with him if I have to, but I have to keep Chris out. Is he good or bad? Yes or no? Because you you said you will deal with him if you had to. I don't know him, Paddy. I don't know him well. Everybody knows him. It's Winston Peters. When we looked and rated right across, for instance, where the front benches of both National and Labour, it's interesting to me that both the Chris's came in at number five. They weren't top in the way business rated them. So, for instance, if you were looking at the National Party side, they rated Nicola Willis and also Erica Stanford right up there and Shane Retty and, and people like that. And on the other side, they rated Damien O'Connor because Damien actually got stuff done compared to a lot of other people and James Shaw and also Grant Robertson. So it's interesting. They're not rated in that sense as the best performers on either side, but I think they're the ones who have got the reins. 
front page is the New Zealand Herald's daily news podcast. And for more business news, opinion and podcasts, head to nzherald.co.nz. Overall, looking at the survey, why do you think it is that Labour has struggled with business leaders? Does this just come down to their delivery over the last term? Oh, I think so in this term. And if you go back and if you look at 2020, while there were concerns coming through from business about some of the things happening there, and a lot of that was related to COVID. And it was related to business concerns about border, all the rest of it. But by the same token, you know, when you look at the results... Jacinda Ardern romped in and the other side did not. But it was also, when you looked at the respective attributes back then of the two leaders, Judith Collins was actually ahead on a number of factors compared to Jacinda Ardern. So it was kind of very different. But I think we do see through the survey over the years that because this is a business survey and, you know, they're focused on business realities and economic realities, there is a difference there between the two parties. But by same token, if you're getting pathetic leadership on the National Party side, that also comes through in the survey as well. And so generally looking at trends, one of the things I've found quite interesting over the years, and this is the 21st survey, for goodness sake, one of the things is quite interesting that over that time, if Labour actually makes the case for particularly capital gains tax, that can actually sway uh, CEO opinion. It will never come out majority. You know, if I go back to when David Cunliffe was finance spokesperson for Labour in 2011, I mean, that was part of their agenda, along with compulsory super and putting up the age of eligibility for national super. So they actually were really going for things that are actually important to the long-term future of this country. However, you got to change a prime minister down the track and you got to um, Jacinda Ardern and she had to captain's calls and kick the whole lot into touch. And this is one of the reasons why in this campaign we are seeing third parties calling out Labour for not delivering on wealth tax or capital gains taxes. It's quite interesting what you said there because Liam Dan shared an anecdote recently on the On The Campaign podcast. Michael Cullen, when he used to do Mood of the Boardroom, always said it was an away game. You know, Labour's always slightly on the back foot when it's a business event. What do you make of a comment like that? Oh, he said a lot more besides over the years. He always had a bit of sport, but I mean, one anecdote I can share, which showed the absolute lethality of Michael Cullen in his heyday, was I was moderating the debate between him and John Key when John Key was the finance person up against Michael Cullen. And I put it to them, you know, if you were a car, what brand would you be? And um, John Key flashed up, as you would expect, oh, red Ferrari, Michael turned around and smirked and said, yellow Lamborghini. And it it was brought up in the House and Parliament. It was just absolutely stunning wit. And I have to say to you, he had the crowd in his hand. We've tried to get that balance right. If you just click your fingers and stop government spending, you'll end up doing even more long-term damage to the New Zealand economy. He said that inflation will be back under 3% next year. That's not what the Treasury is saying. They say it'll be at 3.8% in their 2024 forecast taken from the pre-election update. Those finance debates are key to move to the boardroom every year. So how did the business leaders rate the respective finance representatives on either side? We put the same question each year, and it is the same no matter who is in government at the time. And it's to the finance minister of the day is, you know, are they credible? How do you rate their credibility as a finance minister? And we have seen 
for instance, in Grant Robertson's case, he's come back down. He was rating way up, you know, I think 90-odd percent or so in 2020, but that's come back to 58 percent. He's still trusted. He's seen as having made a very good fist of economic management and probably until the last two years. There is a sense that other colleagues have got away on him, and this happened also, I must say, with Michael Cullen back in the day when the Prime Minister of the day, Helen Clark, wanted to throw out some baubles to get into power. And we're seeing exactly that happening now. You could see it writ on the face of him and David Parker when their wealth tax idea did not get up. And so behind scenes, you've also seen a bit of tension coming through in this campaign. For Nicola Willis, 83% are seeing that she has presented as credible. And this also comes through in the ratings of her within the front bench as well. But in a snap poll that I did on Monday night on the tax cuts package alone, just asking business how did they rate that, that came up as marginally three out of five. You know, And it, it was a snap poll. It was about 60 of the original people who did the survey. And the sentiment around that was interesting because a lot of people were concerned. There were some quite scathing comments about the numbers and putting up something without sensible working calculations. But by same token, as I I mentioned earlier, there was confidence that they would deliver on tax cuts somehow in government. And, you know, again, the comment came up about Christopher Luxon, CML, you know, if he's going to want to make numbers, he'll get there somehow, as you would as if you were a CEO of a listed company when you don't actually want to disappoint your market. And also a sense that there's a lot of cash, I guess, that can be extracted out of the public sector. And not just simply talking about people, which headcount, as they like to say, which is the major part of it, to be honest, but also looking at programs that aren't going anywhere and can just be shelved. Pretty much like you do in a company when you've got to make numbers and you have to re-forecast and re-budget and shuffle stuff around. Fran, one thing that I found quite interesting from this year's report is that Hipkin scored very low on the economic management side of things. This despite the fact that the business leaders did seem to like Grant Robertson quite a lot. On the other side, Luxon's highest score was for economic management. This despite the fact that he's never managed an economy. So does that show that those attack lines aimed at Labour are really hitting the mark with the business community? Oh, look, I think the business community is quite capable of making its own mind up and probably did quite some time ago. Um, as you saw, concern about government spending, the level of that, I mean, that does have an impact on inflation. And it's been one of the things killing business, putting pressure on right across the board. So that's been sitting there. And I guess when it comes to thinking about economic management, looking to someone with a corporate background of being focused on the economy, and he largely has been, uh, he usually comes unstuck when he gets onto anything else, to be honest. He's not as gaff prone as he was, and obviously much more on top of their policies. But I think looking at Hipkins, the problem there is he hasn't had the courage of Labour's convictions. And if he had made the case for wealth taxes, and it could have been made, I mean, they'd really set it up. And if he'd made that case, I mean, yes, there'd probably be an avalanche of rich donors through to the other side. But by same token, he'd be in a far better position to do deals with the Greens and with Te Pāti Māori because they would all be singing the same song and it would play to their base. Neither National nor Labour on current polling could govern alone. So what do business leaders think of those potential 
Party Alliance members. So on the right we have ACT, on the left we have Te Pāti Māori and the Greens. I think steady preference would be for a National Party wholesale government, a bit like what we had with Jacinda Ardern with Labour last time round, but it is MMP. National ACT would be the preference, the three-legged stool, less so with Winston Peters, but interestingly behind scenes it does seem that some of the big donors have been nudging Christopher Luxon to come out and give that nudge, which he did give, to say if at the end of the day if he had to deal, he would. And part of that, I think, is also due to a bit of foolhardy behaviour by David Seymour, who went out and basically indicated he would stamp his foot and throw things around and, you know, hold the government to account before it even got into government. I think he overplayed his hand personally. On the other side, Labour, Greens, yeah, maybe they're used to dealing with that. Labour, Greens to Party Māori, no. There's no appetite for that. But the major appetite would be for National Act. Fran, having done this survey for 21 years, how loud do you think the calls for change in government are from business leaders right now? In terms of the call for change, I think it really is getting the government, a good government into place, getting the country to get its mojo back, getting out of the funk that has really been there for the last few years and really getting a sense of ambition for what New Zealand is about. And I think that is what business wants to see. Thanks for joining us, Fran. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in on Monday for another look behind the headlines.